All right, folks, this is Rabble Rousing Rich Bergeron. It's the Tornado Tony Pentecost. And Psychic Tom. I don't know, Tom. Oh, we might have to uh, change your uh, label. Give it to Frankie Edgar. <laughs> he was the only announcer the other night to pick uh, both main event fights there for uh, UFC 196. So uh, if we ever get him on the show, we're, we'll just we'll do the switch right there, Tom. <laughs> and, and you know, you know, it's so funny because in the uh, with Misha, uh, you, you know, there's an old cliche about picking winners close. It doesn't count in this game because yeah. it ain't over till it's over. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm gonna, I'm going to pull a Donald Trump on uh, Dana White because uh, that motherfucker comes yeah. out after the fight and says Holly Holmes' manager uh, screwed it up for her. She should have waited and fought uh, Ronda Rousey, who we don't even know if she wants to come back to MMA, really. I mean, right. Misha's kind of made that point. I'm not. I don't think in a disrespectful way because Rhonda's talked about having babies. She's doing movies. I mean, this is the same exact thing that happened with Gina Carano after her first loss. They want to go out on top. You know, their their peak is gone, they think. Oh, well, it's time to have babies. <laughs> time to do movies. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if she's... I mean, she's saying she's coming, going back to work and... Uh, the thing is, I don't think Dana White even realizes because he has never had a fight himself. When you take some time off and let somebody catch up to you, uh, this could be a completely different fight now because Ronda right. has kind of been on the sidelines. Misha has been in there against the girl who beat uh, Ronda, and now she has the belt. This sells tickets more than any other scenario that you could think of because she won the belt the way she did. I mean, rear naked choke is the most classic choke you could do, and 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 Holly is training at Jackson's, you know. So you'd think she'd have some Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but uh, you know, it was just Misha waited for the exact right opportunity, and she knew this was her chance, and she took it. And exactly, and if you look at how active Misha's been. And what's the cliche that one fight is equal, well, some people think maybe like three months in the gym. Right. I've heard six months. Uh, I don't know, maybe for every fighter it's different. But <laughs> the point is, you can't take a lot of time off and come back anywhere near as sharp. Right. So, I, and I've also heard another cliche, see what you guys think, that that belt makes you about 20% better. <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that theory. And I, I, I can agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, those two fights, uh, I cannot believe Frankie Edgar called them both the way he did. And then um, I don't even think Misha knew that he did pick her before the fight because in her interview afterwards, she she was, like, thanking him up and down just for saying good stuff about her. And she's like, oh, coming from you, that's great. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I don't there think she saw the... Uh, I have with that statement there, Tom. Um, the belt did not make Buster Douglas 20% better. <laughs> Okay, t thank you for bringing that up, Tony, because uh, the Buster Douglas versus Mike Tyson fight for MMA just happened in the main event. Nate Diaz beating Conor McGregor. <laughs> oh, no, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> no, I'm not going that far. Well, without on. the belt on the line, but no, it was, I mean, Nate Diaz was a Buster Douglas type of figure. figure. I mean, I just saw an article that was titled, uh, Nate Diaz's trainer says that he came off the couch for this fight. <laughs> Literally, you know, so, I mean, you talk about uh, an upset, 
McGregor was talking about eating two breakfasts, you know, relaxing, having a good time. Classic, uh, you know, getting too big of a head. And he didn't even have the excuse that he was sick with something like Sage Northcutt did when he went and undefeated trying to bump up and wait. Just a few weeks ago, we saw him make that mistake. And uh, Connor just made a quick decision with the bravado that uh, makes him who he is. And you paid for it. You paid for it. Dearly. And, and, and you know, I, I don't know if you guys were able to see it, but there was an amazing lack of talk during that fight. An amazing lack of uh, psych out. I mean, they just seemed to get right to business. Right. And you just didn't see much interaction. Of course, I was watching it in a very loud environment. But I just didn't catch a lot of a lot of that normal, you know, the mugging and the shrugging and, and you know, all that kind of stuff. I was really surprised for that because I was hoping that they'd be mic'd up for it. <laughs> uh, just for the entertainment purpose. Right. But uh, to their credit, they, uh, they just got after it. Well, it was uh, Dublin versus Stockton, <laughs> and Stockton won. Oh, Connor got a little Stockton slap and then uh, slapped on the choke. And uh, it just goes to show you, you know, the Capoeira shit only goes so far. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and I noticed in the first round, uh, I, I, I remember giving that round to McGregor, but he seemed to have no concern about being countered. Right. None. I mean, he was missing way off. Again, if you guys see him, I hope you'd agree with me. I mean, he just seemed to be almost showing off, saying, well, if I miss, so what? I'll catch him later. And and the problem is that with a good boxer, you get that rhythm. Right. And it can mm -hmm. shift here just in a heartbeat. And Diaz could just go from slap to good punch. And I think that he was just setting it up and setting up, and all of a sudden, boom, 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 straight down the middle. And Connor was staggered, and then he uh, went for a takedown, and that was uh, pretty much the end of it. Yeah, and um, I'll tell you, his boxing did seem to me to be way better than uh, Nick Diaz, his brother, uh, even though his brother was working with him. Uh, I always thought he, he really didn't have a lot of power, but Nate's does have power. He's just, uh, he just takes a lot to get a lot of hits in. You know, he's kind of like a Chuck Liddell type of guy. He's, he comes at you with an open stance, which helps him land punches, but doesn't help him taking punches. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, if you got a hard head like he does, big old forehead, big bones up there, you know, she can take him all day up there. He'll split his eye open and still walk right through it. And um, I think... Yeah, uh, and, and, and also, also, he knows how to fight tall. Right. I mean, he had he, he was really getting his range down, really getting his rhythm down. And, didn't, and another thing, too, though, in that first round that I noticed, that he was able to uh, close the gap on Connor and put him up against the cage, and, and that's that's very seldom done. And I don't so think I the UFC that. realized, uh, you know, I don't know if it was genius or whatever, but I, I just maybe they were too dumb. They thought Connor would win, but uh, I don't think they really realized that uh, Connor has never had an equal as far as the shit talk game, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that can destroy you before the fight. You know, and yeah. I didn't realize it until I started watching some of the clips that they had on the the, the videos that were making fun of Connor. <laughs> Nate schooled him in some of the press conference exchanges, and and Connor was like silent there for a few seconds. Yeah, and a and few I don't times. know, I don't know if you guys seen that CNBC fiasco. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> where Nate just finally left. It was about a five minute, five minute block, a block of time that they had allotted, 
and they and the poor woman was just she never she'd never been in this world before, and she just didn't know how to handle Nate Diaz. And finally, he just said, uh, "I think a few uh, f bombs dropped," and then he finally just, just took off the headset and just left. Just took off, walked right out of the interview. Just an absolute classic. Yeah, I imagine that's kind of how it went down when the Reebok guy asked him to put the shorts on. (laughs) 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 You know, love him or hate him, you got to respect those guys. And then I don't know if uh, either one of you caught that interview with Nick afterwards. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, not Nick, but uh, Matt. I mean, not Nate. Um, when he came up there, I, I didn't think we would do an interview, you know, I thought it would, but, I mean, I, at the same time, I was like, how could he not? He'd be, like, wanting to gloat all over the place, but he was mighty tame for the Fox audience. He didn't drop a yeah, lot of F-bombs well, after the yeah, fact. It, 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 was, it, was, it was back in the, uh, it was back in the lobby, I think, because if you notice, Nick was not in the corner. No, I didn't. I guess that. when you're suspended by the Nevada State Athletic Commission, you cannot have any official capacity in any fight. You can't uh-huh. play a role. So he was back, almost like he had some kind of, um, I don't know if it was a t-shirt table or something, but finally he just he just went off on the cameraman. Get that different camera out of here. He says, I knew he would win, but boy, Nick was just so surly afterwards. And You know, I guess that's his style, but I mean, you think he'd have to be happy. I mean, yeah. his brother just pulled off something great, but oh, Nick was just, he was so mad. Well, oh, you know, you have to remember, laughing. they both claim to have uh, certain levels of anxiety around crowds, you know, so they don't, that's why they don't like interviews. It's not just they don't like the man, you know, they don't like all that bullshit, you know, conspiracy theory stuff. It's, they really do not like crowds and people. They have, uh, it's in the fucking blood or something. They have, both well, have it. Well, isn't there a condition called Asperger's disease? I don't know or if I go that far with them, but they definitely have uh, anxiety disorder of some kind. Uh, Nick yeah. has talked about it, so he's claiming that's why they both smoke weed too. So <laughs> we don't know. We don't know the weed caused well, that. Well, you know, all I could say is more power to them. As successful as they've been, if they don't want to talk, that's well, boy, wouldn't they be fun to have on here though? Wow. Of course, we'd have to do a lot of work, wouldn't we? <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm trying to get some UFC fighters on. It might be low-level guys, but I'm working on a couple Russians, actually. One guy has been in Bellator, um, and the other guy has just had a UFC fight on free TV. Working the Facebook, and uh, actually our guest tonight I uh, got from Twitter. been doing a lot of stuff on Twitter when I can, and uh, this guy is from across the pond. Calvin... Uh, Lee, I believe his name is. And uh, he's got a fight coming up. There's bio here. Get his bio up here in a minute. But uh, bottom line is the best part about his story is uh, he's doing this fight for a organization over there in the UK uh, called SANS, all capitals, just like it sounds. SAND with an S at the end. And uh, it's for uh, premature babies and stuff like that. Calvin Henley. And uh, it's a pretty interesting uh, foundation, and it kind of reminds me of what uh, we do here with uh, March of Dimes. So, uh, always good to hear those type of stories. You know, that's the kind of business I run. I try to give wood away every season. So, right up our alley, too, with the show. He's, uh, you know, just starting his career, so 
We're getting all levels. We're not just getting the superstars. <laughs> He's thrilled to do it at 2 in the morning over there in the UK, which will be 9 here. So it's going to hopefully gonna be a good uh, exchange with him. Cal Hindley, H-I-N-D-L-E-Y. And uh, just a second, we'll get his story up here. He's uh, originally born in Middleton, UK, now lives and trains in Bolton. And uh, his fight's coming up on the 25th of March. It's called the Brawl in the Hall in the Bolton Excellence Center, where uh, his other team members will also be fighting. And uh, he's trained for years but never had the, the team behind him to do this as a career. But he now has the right coach and backup, and he's trying to get more fights, getting his name out there. says he trains five days a week with his coach, David Sweeney from Bolton, and uh, trains in the Outline Gym there, also in Bolton. And uh, this charity fight's coming up on the 25th of March. And then he's got a Rage in the Cage fight in June. So, uh, brawl in the hall and Rage in the Cage. <laughs> Everything rhymes over in the UK, I guess. You know, I guess it's the uh, poetry spirit of the UK. But, uh, yeah, it's Bolt from Bolton, UK, and uh, it's a five-hour time difference. Because he's 160 pounds, 73 kilos, as they might say. 5'9". Same, first, just about the same height as all of us, pretty much. So that's about it. Uh, we'll get him on show uh, at 9 o'clock tonight. We'll talk to him about all that. But uh, as we talked about, uh, UFC 196 had a couple of great uh, main events, co-main events. Uh, you couldn't have picked a, a more surprising outcome, but... Um, I think in the long run, this is great for the UFC, even though it might piss off the bosses temporarily because they thought it was going to go another way and they had plans for it to go the other way, maybe. Uh, but, I mean, sh life goes on. This is the fight game. Upsets happen, so uh, I think it makes it more intriguing and more people will want to tune in to see what happens next with Nate Diaz and Mishtate. Both, even uh, though uh, yeah, Nate didn't I, get I a belt totally or anything. I agree because with that Ronda fight, and some of the guys that I talked to were, were just so mad about the outcome, how this is going to ruin everything. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I mean, uh, if you want to take one side of the Ronda fight, I can easily argue the other one. I mean, this would be an easy one to hype because I think Misha's been on a roll. Uh, has Ronda suffered a lot of mental damage? I mean, there's a whole bunch of questions here. Yeah. And, uh, and and I noticed it, it, in the second round, if you if you were able to see, were able to see the card, in the second round when Holly went down, she was lucky to survive that round. Yeah. And you could see what Nisha's uh, path to victory was. And I think Holly was, even though I, I'm not going to argue with the judges given at the third and fourth round, but she was a little tentative. Yeah. So uh, even though Misha was behind, and uh, she just said that uh, her corner told her this is it, just go for it. Well, we all know you can't go by, oh, uh, this person lost to this person, so that person will beat that person. You know, right. There's no math there that works, because there's so many unexpected things that can happen. And, and also, something else to think about. Before Holly fought Rhonda, she was not really super impressive, when you look back on it now. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, yeah, she had won some fights, but there was nothing really that special, and that's why it was such a shock that she was able to upset Ronda, because right. she hadn't been the devastating killer that she was in boxing and uh, kickboxing. 
But, you know, what, what I saw from that fight was that Holly pretty much didn't have to fight Ronda's game because it was almost all in the feet, right? Because Ronda wanted exactly. it there. Ronda thought, oh, I'm the best on the feet that there could ever be. So I can beat this girl at her biggest strength. No, that's not how it goes. But Misha well, is a more well-rounded uh, fighter. Ronda did get her down. But uh, Holly was able to get up. Right. And then Holly actually did a takedown on Rhonda. And at that point, it looked like, well, okay, <laughs> Rhonda's really got problems. I mean, Ron Holly's doing that to her. So, but here, it was just, we knew after the second round. I mean, I had it one up, and it was, it was pretty obvious. And I will say, Misha fought very smart on the feet. I mean, she showed some good head movement. Uh, she got hit, but of course, you're going to get hit. But she, I, I didn't think she was ever really in serious and, uh, trouble being you know, the biggest, the biggest thing that uh, I noticed about this fight that was really glaring to me, um, you don't hear a, too much of an argument sometimes when somebody taps out and, and they're caught in a real bad choke. But the fact that Conor McGregor choked out and Holly Holm did not was a huge controversy <laughs> this fight that everybody was talking about. Everybody. Uh... And, you know, of course, Connor haters licked it up off the floor. <laughs> so it's like, this is awesome. You know, Holly Holm did not tap. She went out, and uh, Connor McGregor didn't. And not only did uh, MMA fans do that, uh, Tyson Fury got into the mix, Tony's favorite named yeah. fighter. <laughs> and criticized MMA at the same time. Um, you know, when you want to give up, you just tap out. You can't tap out in boxing, you know. <laughs> Unbelievable, but uh, that's what kind of a, a thing that upsets do, you know. Uh, it gets people talking about it, it gets people saying controversial things. I mean, uh, it obviously made a lot of headlines. Of course, and, maybe, uh, again, look at Connor's mental state. If uh, he was getting lit up on his feet, and then he took it to the ground, and he was just, he, he just gave up position. I mean, it was just, you didn't see one-on-one what Nate did, you know, got them out. I mean, this is what you learned in the first couple of weeks. Got them out, started throwing punches just like on the playground, and Connor on cue, rolled over and gave up his back, but again, I'm not the guy in there feeling it. And maybe he thought he had some kind of plan, but maybe his only plan was, I gotta, I gotta protect my face, you know? Right. And uh, I think with Connor, it was okay, uh, it's not my night, I'll be back. And well, Probably the funniest thing... Uh, with my experience with the Fertitas and their gambling casinos and all that, and and, and the history between Connor and the Fertitas gambling, remember he won two point five million dollars, uh, I think from there was you know, not exactly sure, but millions, million, over a million, betting on himself with uh, uh, Frank Fertitta, I think both Fertitta brothers at the same time, and it was made public. There was a story about it and everything. And, uh, somehow this is not illegal. And, Nevada, but um, they, or wherever they maybe they made the bet in Dublin. Who knows? But uh, and then there was that scene where Frank <laughs> whips the belt down after the Jose Aldo loss, and you never know that could have been the second time that uh, he lost the bet. So you know he's not going to go in there a third time and bet against McGregor, <laughs> and this yeah. is the time he should have. So I uh, I can imagine that happening. He definitely wouldn't have well, bet a third I, time. I, I just get the feeling Connor will be back. I think um, he will be too, but I mean, it's just like 
couldn't have happened in a better scenario for him because he doesn't lose the belt. Uh, he did come up really far in weight, and uh, you know he learned something. Obviously, he was a little bit humble in defeat, um, but you know didn't, a lot of pissed off guys over there in Ireland. That's for sure. <laughs> pissed off fans, guys and girls, probably. Anyway, um, it was the choke heard around the world there in that fight. Unbelievable stuff, and I think the UFC will um, gain way more fans and probably fighters because of that fight too. Because I mean, Nate Diaz literally came off the couch, according to his tra training guy, came off the couch to to this fight. Uh, so how many days notice? Ten days? Twelve days? Yeah. I don't even know. Just unbelievable. Well, I, I guess a lot would depend on how out of shape he got. Because remember, his last fight was uh, January. Right. So, um, of course, it doesn't take long. Or, or was it early February? I'm starting to have trouble remembering. I think it was January. Pretty sure. And how do you like his uh, response? <laughs> Are you surprised? <laughs> it reminded me uh, of the. No. Uh, reminded me of. Uh, Are you entertained? <laughs> yeah. Uh, unbelievable stuff. But yeah, that was uh, UFC 196. It was a uh, great couple main event fights. There was also a lot of action on the undercard. I'll get to it in a second. Uh, but, um,. We, we pretty much only have one big MMA event this weekend. It's World Series of Fighting. Uh, Gaethje versus Foster is the main event there. Uh, and uh, I did want to mention one of our former guests, John Howard, there. Or at least I don't know if we had him on the show, but I did meet him in person at one point. So I think we did have him on the show. But uh, Doomsday Howard, this is his nickname. And uh, he's going over to World Series of Fighting. He just got back to the UFC for a second stint. He won his way back there. And now he's uh, going down to uh, what's considered now pretty much the UFC's minor leagues. Even though I like it way more because it's actually run by a fucking fighter, Ray Sifo. Who, <laughs> thank you, Ray, for just accepting my Facebook <laughs> friend request. <laughs> Uh, but he actually fought. He came back when they didn't have heavyweights and fought himself for his own promotion when he's the president of it, uh, which is more than you could say from Dana Wade, even though he did a whole show about a fight that never happened with Tito Ortiz. Um, but yeah, he's... Dana White saying about Holly Holm that she should have waited for Rousey. Who the hell is he to say that uh, she can't trust her manager to make deals for her, number one? Because that was his number one criticism, was that she wasn't at the meeting. Well, why does she need to be if she trusts her manager? She's been with that guy since her boxing days. You know? You're a manager. You should know that shit. Well, look how long uh, Chuck Liddell and Tito were loyal to him before he pissed them off. <laughs> you know, he wouldn't even have been in MMA if he wasn't their agents to begin with. Yeah, and, and, and like you said, there's no guarantees. I mean, Holly just can't sit around. Um, right. That's ridiculous. And uh, she made a lot of money, obviously. Half, half a million. Dana White might piss that away at the card tables one night, but that's a lot of money to, to Holly Okay, Rich, just, just as an aside now, if, if you're the matchmaker, 
we've got four gals here if we can get them in there. Um, Misha, Rhonda, Cyborg, and Holly. How do you mix them up? Well, I think they'll probably do Holly versus Cyborg first because, you know, Holly has already said she'd do a catchweight fight with her. And she is the taller woman. So, you know, she keeps it on the outside. Uh, Cyborg is the type that would try to box, kickbox her. I don't know. I, I think that would be a better fight than R Rousey or Tate versus her. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I just like the idea that Ronda has to come back through Misha to get the belt. And she has beat Misha twice already. And we interviewed Misha right after her first loss to, to uh, Ronda. Now, so Ronda now has to come back to get the belt through Tate and an improved Tate that has been working harder than her because obviously Ronda's been exclusively doing Roadhouse. So <laughs> she's just faking it right now. We don't know if she's really, you know, in regular training camp. Obviously, she's not in a fight camp. So, you know, a girl like her can come back like anything, but the psychological thing is one thing, and you obviously have to consider the time off, the time doing it and getting paid to do it for fake. You know, that's that's psychological, too, if you think about it, because uh, look what happened to Gina. She got beat in strike force, and that was it. She came back for one fight, and then it didn't happen. And we never knew what happened with the medical thing that, that canceled that fight, but then she's just in the movies. You know, Now we, she's not even doing a lot of movies, so obviously it didn't work out as planned for her but obviously she's not gone back to fighting and only thought about it briefly and uh that's it you know and i'm not saying that's going to happen to rousey but you have to consider that um you know sometimes once you're out a little while and you had she had to get plastic surgery after the fight it wasn't just uh you know i got beat i, I had to get plastic surgery to fix my face after i got beat you know and, and i'm going <laughs> yeah. and trying to be in hollywood <laughs> yeah that uh that says volumes about how hard Cyborg hits. Oh. God, that's, that's a horrible thought. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and then you got Brock Lesnar, who also did the th same thing with WWE that, you know, uh, Ronda could do with the movies. She could just say, hey, you know, I'm done. Go doing movies, just like uh, Gina Carano. So, yeah, Misha Tate having to... Uh, Welcome uh, Rhonda back, too, is a good thing for Rhonda, you would think, because she would go in with the confidence of, okay, not only am I coming back to a girl I beat twice, but, you know, I'm coming back to get my belt from her. This is going to be great. <laughs> so it'll be easy for her to get that confidence back, I think, in that scenario. But it's all a matter of does she want to come back and can she uh, bounce right back from the movie life? <coughs> we'll see. But, um, you know, if anything, Connor just taught her a lesson. <laughs> if she didn't learn from Holly. So we'll see. And also on that card, we had uh, Gian Vellante losing a uh, unanimous decision to Elir Latifi. Couple other interesting fights, probably the most interesting undercard fight. I didn't see it, but uh, Jim Miller losing uh, the fight to Diego Sanchez. So I don't know what's going to happen to Jim now, but uh, he was in the title picture, just hasn't been able to climb back there. 
And uh, also had uh, Tom Lawler on the losing side of a unanimous decision against uh, that was on the Ultimate Fighter not too long ago. Corey uh, Anderson. You know, I thought Lawler started off very good. And then um, just sort of faded toward the end. But uh, that was closer than I thought. So I don't know if that says. Uh, and plus, Lawler's a normal uh, middleweight. And he moved up to 205 for that. So I don't know if it says he's rejuvenated a bit or um, it's Corey Anderson maybe not quite at the level that he needs to be yet. This time will tell. He hasn't been in a whole hell of a lot of epic fights, Tom Lawler, but I never forget the guy because of his nickname, Filthy. Yeah. <laughs> Filthy Tom Lawler. That's such a classic nickname. Anyway, uh, having technical difficulties with Sherdog here, so we'll get to the rest of that one in a minute. further stories. Uh, big story, I sent you guys both the link. Uh, it was a guy comparing the NFL to boxing and, and basically saying that, you know, there's head injuries in both sports, but at least boxers know they could end up with uh, pugilistic dementia going in now. You know, and all these NFL guys didn't know they could end up with, uh, you know, CTE now is the big thing with the, uh, the NFL. But at the same time, we're having that controversy that he's talking about the amateurs are now taking away headgear. So that's generated a lot of controversy with pro fighters and amateur fighters alike. Um, and, and what you're seeing now already when they did this experiment last year was that you're, you're getting more cuts on fighters at an earlier age. And we know what happens with an old cut. It opens up pretty quickly <laughs> in the pros. We've seen it how many times. Uh, so that's the one drawback I think that they didn't uh, analyze enough going in so now you're going into the Olympics guys no having no headgear in the amateurs it's going to be interesting but I don't know if it's going to work <laughs> well like that, that article said it's got to be a little more fan friendly right so we'll see on that uh, that was another interesting link you sent too about some of our boxing's oddities Oh yeah, I figured uh, Tony would like that. Did you yeah, know? I just got back from vacation yesterday, so I didn't get a chance to read the articles yet. Oh well, um, there was actually the probably the most interesting uh, trivia that, that you could get from it. We'll see if you're really the Rain Man of boxing if you can get this. Okay. Do, do you know the uh, the only fight that Wyatt Earp refereed? Oh, you know what? <laughs> I do, actually. <laughs> I remember reading about this. Yeah. Wyatt Earp. Wrestling. I remember him wrestling a fight. Shit. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean... Well, I'm not thinking of it now, but I remember even... Uh, I remember reading about it. It was like Wyatt Earp wrestling a fight. Yeah, it was, uh, I believe, Jack Johnson, if I'm correct. I don't, know, I don't have the link right in front of me right now, but I can get it in a minute, I think. But it was 1896, I believe. 1896 fight. 
Uh, and um, we talked before the show about uh, Ray Boom Boom Mancini is real big right now. It's just blowing up. And, uh, Tuesday, last Tuesday, they announced the boxers for the um, Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. And uh, not only is Boom Boom on the list, but our former guest, Riddick Bowe, who said he wanted to fight me. So maybe, maybe in a couple months, <laughs> I'll fight him in Lewiston. <laughs> MMA Bowe, come on, let's do it. No, I'm not going to be a heavyweight, though. So <laughs> that's out. <laughs> no, he's, uh, he's going to be busy. He's going to the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. Uh, also, Pernell Sweet P. Whitaker. Interesting. Freddie Little, uh, Ricardo Finito Lopez, and another former guest of ours, Christy Martin. We're going to be inducted on July 29th and 30th at uh, Caesars Palace. And also, we've got a couple trainers, Kenny Adams and Tal Torrance. Tal Torrance. And uh, former gym owner and trainer, Johnny Taco. And uh, boxing writers, uh, Tim Dahlberg. Well, one boxing writer, Tim Dahlberg. And uh, radio personality, James Smith. So that's pretty cool. The coal miner's daughter, <coughs> Christy Martin. She's you know, it's, that that link you sent about a lot of the trivia is kind of a coincidence. I'm reading a book now called Bare Knuckle: um, Memoirs of the Undefeated Champion uh, Bartley Gorman. Hmm. Um, see, I didn't know there were Irish gypsies, and I'd heard. Uh, Tyson Fury, of, of the, they call them the Travelers. Yes, yes. There's a whole and TV show about it. A couple of them. This is, I'm only on Chapter 3. This is an amazing book. Some of those bare-knuckle brawls they had back in those days. I mean, it's Yeah, I mean, it's nuts. a fighting culture. It's, you know, it's, yeah. they're the type of people of, that uh, embody the whole fighting Irish thing. You know, they, they grow yeah, up it, settling it, differences. This is, this is just, some of this stuff was so insane that uh, this... Uh, this Gorman's, I guess it was his grandfather, that had such a hard head that he was hit hard once, and his opponent shattered his hand so much he eventually had to, he lost part of his arm. Bones came out, and there's just nothing they could do, and I'm thinking, what a hard hit. If they went at bare knuckle back then, but just uh, all kinds of trivia, and it, it makes me understand Tyson Fury a lot more now, because I had just, I had never, I couldn't understand when he said he was a gypsy. Because I assume the gypsies were from Romania, and you know, initially from Egypt, hence gypsy, Egyptian, you know. And, uh, I, I just had, had never known about that part of Irish history. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of good trivia in there. Yeah. Uh, kind of reminds me of that one that I, I sent you guys way back when about uh, um, Jack Dempsey using brine on his face to toughen his face, yeah. washing his face with brine every day. <laughs> I might try that for my fight, actually. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Rich, uh, do you still have your beard? Yes, yes. That's a, I'm keeping that, of course. You know, I'm going to have a Kimbo Slice beard by the time the fight comes around, <laughs> if they let me. You know, yeah, th there was a thread once on the underground. Uh, does having a beard give you a better advantage of taking a punch? Yeah, um, what do you does. guys think about that? It definitely does. You know what? Um, proved it. The one that I still remember clearly was a fight about 12 years ago, maybe. And it was right after the English fighter had beaten Mike Tyson in summer of 2004. You know, big upset. Tyson 
hurt his knee or whatever, something crazy happens. Uh, you know, he had Williams hurt, and then he, you know, started running out of gas, and he twisted his knee, and, you know, Williams ended up knocking him out, and he gets a title shot at Vita Lee Klitschko. And Danny Williams was a Muslim fighter, and he had, you know, not a big, like, Osama Bin Laden beard, but he had a significant beard. And, you know, then there was a debate, you know, whether the commission was going to make him shave it. Uh, I think I think they were fighting over in Germany, um, and they were going to they were going to make him shave it. And and Danny Williams was balking. You know, he says, "No, this is you know my religion. I don't I don't want to shave it." And he didn't think that the beard was interfering. And the German Commission was saying, "No, we think that it gives you extra padding." And actually, it was Klitschko that stepped in and said, "He can't hide an anvil in that beard, and it ain't going to help him." <laughs> Yeah, and he was right. He ended up knocking him down four or five times before he finally stopped him. Um, I remember some other fighters that had, I wouldn't say, like, I mean, um, you know, you know, Zach Brown band or, you know, um, or Duck Dynasty beards. You know, I've never seen that allowed in boxing. Um, I'd be interesting, you know, I've when he, when he was having his boxing matches, I never seen him make Kimbo slice. Um, Gina Shave, and he has a very prominent beard. And I swear, his has benefited him in MMA. He is the proof that it works if it's big enough, because he's been hit. Well, it's, uh, harder, it's harder to make to get around your, your throat. It gives you that little bit of extra blockage. You know? That too. Yeah, uh, I think that's what uh, Frank uh, Ken Shamrock uh, had trouble with when his come big yeah. comeback fight there against Kimbo and uh, he had it he had it locked up pretty much just couldn't crank it against that beard and Kimbo really didn't exert a lot of energy to pull his hand off either but I mean he just kind of patiently waited it out and uh, I, that, that fight was mostly the size difference that, that won him that one so I think that was like the worst fight for him to go in against Dada after because he got overhyped and against the guy that was half his size pretty much going in so uh, he was like the Incredible Hulk versus <laughs> a normal person. Doesn't work. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> but uh, the rest of the fight card, UFC 196. Talk about real quick here. Oh, before I talk about that, talking about beards. Um, <clears throat> this is not related to beards, but hair. Period of another fighter. Uh, probably the funniest story we've ever had t told on our show was. Um, when uh, we had John Ruiz on the show, and he talked about fighting Valueth. And he said, you ever seen the movie Along Came Polly? <laughs> when they're playing basketball? And uh, I don't know the guy's name. Forget the guy's, the actor's name. Played the main character. Ben, ben Stiller. Stiller ben Stiller. Main yeah. And Ben Stiller goes up against the guy in basketball and, like, slides down his wet, hairy chest. Yeah. <laughs> He's like... That's how it was fighting value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly like that. Yeah. That was hilarious. Um, also on that card, uh, UFC 196, we had Amanda Nunes fighting Valentina Shevchenko. And Shevchenko lost by unanimous decision in that one. And Nunes is showing a lot of improvement. And uh, one of the uh, big female fights on the card, other than the co-main event there. 
We had uh, Brandon Thatch lost by arm triangle choke to uh, Sayar Baherzada, who was coming off a really long layoff. This was one of the highlights, I think, of the uh, undercard that they did televise. Uh, came in the third round, and uh, it was an intense fight up till then. And Thatch is a tall guy. He fights tall, and uh, he was doing a decent job. But Baherzada was just on a mission. And uh, he completed it with that uh, arm triangle. Yeah, and I, th I think the pace really was wearing Thatch down. I mean, it was a brutal pace. I'm not saying he was out of shape, but boy, by that third round, he just looked like he was just uh, he was in dire straits. And if they still had knockout of the night, I think Nordin Taleb would have got it for his knockout over Eric Silva. A punch in the second round. You know, his, his style... It is so would be so difficult because uh, Taleb just seemed to, ha to have such an economy of movement, and his punches were so straight and precise. Uh, Silva was just a, I don't know, just a, I was just so impressed by Taleb there. And then we had uh, Vitor Miranda beat Marcelo Guimarães by head kick and punches TKO in the second round, 109 in. Darren Elkins beat Chaz Skelly by unanimous decision. And as I mentioned earlier, Diego San Sanchez beat Jim Miller. That was a unanimous decision. Jason Sago in the second fight of the night beat Justin Salas in the first round. Just about 29 seconds left to go. And that uh, was a TKO there. Teruto Ishihara in the first fight of the night beat Julian Arosa by knockout as well. Second round, 34 seconds into the second round. We also had a heck of a Bellator fight this last Friday. Um, not going to go over the whole thing, but main event, Joe Warren in uh, a comeback fight here after some controversy with tapping out or not tapping out because he screamed. Uh, <laughs> comes back and gets destroyed. So, you know, you got to evolve. That's, that's the, uh, the message there, I think. He tried to just be one game one game guy basically grappling and wrestling and uh, this guy bait suplexed him over his shoulder darian yeah, caldwell was, just ruined him just, just incredible athleticism yeah I, and i knew at that point i thought i just tried to figure warren was finished so i don't know it looks like he's he's a, a what would we say an evolutionary dead end yeah <laughs> unbelievable stuff there but and i hate to say that because he was always colorful and entertaining but right now, I'm just, uh, that was just really a bad setback. Well, I mean, when you've spent your, a long t part of your career in the sport and you get to be that age, it really can kind of be a little too old to keep doing it. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of guys in the local circuit, 45 years old, and look 10 times better than I've ever looked in my life, but... Usually they started when they were in their late 30s or something. They didn't start when they were 18. And uh, so, I mean, I don't know if that's, that's how far Joe goes back. But it does take a toll on you. I mean, that's what that the whole article said about, you know, the boxing thing. You know, it's kind of interesting. This guy's from the L.A. Times, and uh, he's admitted he's gotten all kinds of hate letters. Bill Dwyer from the L.A. Times. Uh, Asking, how can you write so favorably and passionately about boxing when you keep ripping the NFL and its concussions? <laughs> Isn't that two-faced and unfair? In uh, 200 emails, he says, at least. <clears throat> um, but he talks about um, uh, the wife of uh, Timothy Bradley, Monica. Um, 
after the Provodnikov fight, was very concerned about her husband. And uh, she took him around to neurological clinics around the country to make sure that he was okay. And she was actually behind the decision, according to this article, to hire Teddy Atlas as his trainer. That's an interesting fact. I didn't know. The wife came in and said, hey, hey. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy because, uh, Tony, you've seen the movie. I've seen the clips of the movie where uh, Creed's, Paulo Creed's wife talks about carrying him up the steps. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. kind of interesting that uh, the wife comes in and... Uh, was a fast one <laughs> that turns out to be good hopefully and now you've got Pacquiao having another fight with him so that'd be interesting uh, but I don't know about this this part of the story he says there is always hope of course Floyd Mayweather Jr. won 49 fights and probably took no more than seven or eight damaging shots over that entire period uh, I don't know if that's correct I'd say at least 20 but anyway George Foreman, he also adds, was heavyweight champion of the world over two different eras, which involved many punches taken and a knockout by Muhammad Ali, yet you cannot find a sharper, more lucid human. Yeah, there's there are many examples of that. I mean, Jack Dempsey, I understand, was very articulate in old age. Uh, and George Chavallo, considering all the punches he took. This guy uh, uh, points to Mike Corey as one of the worst examples of bad days after fighting. Uh, He said he he once interviewed the widow of Mike Corey and she told stories of changing his diapers and chasing him around the neighborhood when he wandered off. Okay, but but what does that say about genetics? Because look at at his older brother, Jerry. Right. So, I I don't know. I I, I still believe there's a huge uh, genetic component. I know we've talked about that before, that they could ever isolate that. It sure may go a long way toward making sure um, some of these guys don't get a license. The most uh, fascinating part, I think, about this whole uh, opinion piece that he does, he got the statistic in there. uh, The American Association of Neurological Surgeons calculated, I don't know how they calculated this, that 90% of boxers end up with some sort of brain injury. So... If you, if you don't have brain injury, you're one of the 10%, I guess. <laughs> that that sounds kind of high to me. Uh, but Boston University, uh, they did the CTE study of uh, NFL athletes, studied 91 brains, and 87 of them had CTE. So that's an interesting one. I think football was way more violent to the head. Yeah, because of the well, habits. Yeah, I mean, I, I played both. I boxed. Headbutts aren't illegal, football. aren't legal in boxing. <laughs> Think about and it. And I'm going to tell you something. Um, not legal in and I'm, 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 I'm talking about both these in the 90s, too. So I'm not talking about back before that. And I'm not talking about after that. I mean, excuse me. I played football in high school. And, you know, I didn't play beyond high school. I boxed when I started in college and then until a few years after college. Um, here, and I'm going to give you advantages and disadvantages on both. Now, when I was in high school playing football, um, you know, you're starting uh, as a freshman, you play in the freshman team in high school. Then as a sophomore, you train, you practice with the varsity squad. So now if you're a second stringer or a third stringer, when you scrimmage, you scrimmage against the varsity number one. So I'm on defense, and I'm going against, you know, I'm a defensive lineman, I'm going against the varsity offensive line. So these kids are usually one to two years older than me, 
if they throw beer three years older than me, and they're physically bigger, they're physically more mature. And these are more talented players. So, you know, you're really getting beat up out there. Same thing on offense. The offensive was going against the number one defense. So the defense is going there, and they're clobbering the running backs, and they're clobbering, you know, the um, you know, offensive line. So these kids are getting beat up. Um, but at the same time, practices are monitored. So if somebody gets knocked down or gets hurt, there's medical attention. Now, in a boxing match, there is medical attention during the fight. Yes. Not during the training sessions. Yeah. How many gyms out there do you see that kids are in there and or adults are in there sparring? Now, I was 18 at the time when I started, and I was going up against, <coughs> you know, you know, in college, most of the guys my own age, right? Not when I got to Philly. I was going up against guys up into their 50s, right. you know? And oh, yeah. Some of those guys were at a disadvantage against me because I was younger. Um, but there were times, believe me, I got knocked on my ass. Now, what, yeah, if, I I was, the, what um, if I was out? The gym I used to yeah. box briefly at in Quincy Mass. There was, there was a guy that was 45 years old that used to give me a run for his money, for my money, every time I sparred him. And that's probably the oldest guy I ever boxed. But, um, you know, he's persistent. That's the thing. Like, when a guy makes the decision to come back at that age and, and keep doing it, I mean, they're pretty serious about it. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he always gave me a tough fight. And, you know, I just come out of the Air Force Academy, basically, and uh, was back in my hometown, and that just happened to be the gym. So they threw me in there with him, and they used to throw me in there with all the street fighters. That's part I used to hate, because then after 30 seconds, they'd be like, okay, Rich, stop beating him up. <laughs> he's, he's tired now. <laughs> he'd be winging punches at me, like, uh, like Eddie Murphy describes the fight he had with a girl that windmilled him. <laughs> it is uh, one of the stand-up things. Uh, but before we get the uh, guest tonight on the show over from across the pond, uh, Calvin Hindley, uh, I do want to talk about the paydays on uh, UFC 196. Conor McGregor uh, made a million dollars pay base pay before bonuses. One million dollars. That makes me wonder if when Frank slammed down the belt, that was part of the new contract agreement. That was the bet. A million dollars a fight, because I do not remember the last time I heard of a fighter getting paid one million dollars base pay for a fight. And if anybody can talk his way into that for this type of fight, I guess it would be Conor McGregor. But is it a one-time thing, I wonder, or was this maybe part of a bet? <laughs> Oh, because that's crazy. Uh, Nate Diaz, who won the fight, only got five hundred grand total, and that's what uh, Holly Holm got five hundred grand for uh, being the champ going into this fight. Uh, even though she didn't get a win bonus or whatever, you know. But <laughs> so it makes you wonder: Is this going to be constant? Is this uh, is this a milestone or not? I do know that Dana White had came out on record at one point and said the most they've ever paid a fighter was $5 million. I know that for a fact. I've heard that. Read that. So, we never knew who that was. He ne he's never, as far as I know, admitted who that was. But I think it was a long time ago. <laughs> when they were really throwing money at the wall to try to get this to stick. Uh, but, the most before this I've ever heard of a fighter getting paid was four hundred grand. That was uh, Brock. 400 grand a fight. So now we're at a half a million and a million for co-main events. It's a big step for the UFC, I think, if this is going to continue. We'll see. 
Maybe they finally quietly done something about the fighter pay situation. Maybe because of the uh, Reebok deals, they've had to make better deals with these types of fighters. <coughs> Who knows? But uh, I'd like to see it continue. Uh, I mean, if not two or three million dollars, some of these guys should be making for these main events, especially guys like Cain Velasquez and Junior Dos Santos, who, like you said about training, I mean, they're getting hurt every day sometimes in training the way they those guys train, and plus they put it all out there in the cage and they kick each other's asses and bust each other's heads in. So they're worth it, you know. Uh, and they're gonna need something to take care of them in their old age. They're getting they're getting a lot of uh, physical punishment from their clashes, <clears throat> and people still want to see them fight. So unbelievable stuff. Anyway, uh, we're due for call with Calvin Hindley. If we can one click Adam to the conference here. Invite. Hello, Calvin. Hiya, Paul. Wow. You're coming in loud and clear. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You're on a better sound system than we have. <laughs> <laughs> iPhone, Paul. <laughs> All right. So, Calvin, tell us about this mission you're on to uh, do something good for charity here, the SANS organization. Yeah, um, it came about because um, me sister um, had... Uh, baby uh, stillbirth um, and I've been training for quite a while now um, I mainly do MMA so it was uh, nice it was just an opportunity that arose and you know I took it to do some good you know because a lot of people are in need of this charity um, awesome. so yeah basically that was the reason why um, <laughs> it did come round very quick um, but there's only two weeks left till the fight and you know I'm very confident and we've raised a bit of money so it's you know cool uh, and you're from Bolton over there tell us about the town of Bolton or city is it a city? Uh, no it's a it's, it's, it's a town um, it's quite a big town it's just on the outskirts of Manchester all right. Um, I'm just on the outskirts of Manchester too. Yeah, Manchester. But in New, New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Um, yeah, it's it's a nice place. It's got it's very known for its wrestling. Um, there's a lot of places in Bolton that do Muay Thai wrestling. Um, it's a good opportunity, you know. It's there's a good set of people in Bolton. It's one of the nicest towns I've ever been to, anyway. Awesome. Um, and uh, reading your your bio that you sent, uh, sounds like you have kind of a background like me. Um, I had, I was raised by my dad and my grandmother. My mom died when I was young, so you grew up only with your mom, you said, and uh, got into a lot of fights on the street. And uh, that's pretty much how I got into boxing, too. I had a lot of kids back in my day, you know, they'd come back at you with, oh, your mother. 
to jokes yeah. and stuff, you know, so you'd automatically throw down right there. Yeah, <laughs> that's know? it, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it was, it, plus I was, uh, I was kind of pasty as a kid, so yeah. I was very white and I had glasses and uh, bleach blonde hair and I, I did look like the Milky Bar kid. <laughs> so, <laughs> people, yeah. Used to taunt me for that, and you know, I, I just reacted to it. Ended up getting excluded, and you know, getting into trouble with the police all the time. And you know, the MMA discipline is—it's you know—it's absolutely brilliant. I've changed my ways. I'm not half as um, aggressive as I used to be. <laughs> oh, right. Outside the ring, inside the <laughs> ring, it's a bit different. But <laughs> right. you know, uh, I've got a brilliant team, um, Team Sweeney. They've helped me an awful lot. You know, he's really brought me out of me shell, so to speak. And we've got a lot of, we've got, I've got this boxing in two weeks, and then I've got a tournament in June, which is Rage in the Cage. Um, there's other people on our team that are fighting in different um, competitions. It's, you know, it's. It's going really good at the moment. We're we're hopefully trying to put ourselves on the map so we become the best team in Bolton, Manchester even. Awesome. You know. So uh, how long have you been actually fighting in MMA? Um, I've um, I've been training for a, a good few months now. Um, before that, I was always interested in it. I'm you know a keen follower of most fighters. Um, I liked study them. Um, you know, I like to study people. Really, um, I've, you know, basic basic stuff like that. I've been a big fan of boxing ever since a child. Um, Tyson was me great. Um, Roy Jones Jr., another brilliant fighter. You know, I just took inspiration off them. To be quite fair. Right. Actually, there was a guy from the UK on Ultimate Fighter not too long ago. I got to interview him myself. Yes, Saul. Luke uh, Bernat? Barnat or something? Isn't it? Bernat. Um, I'm not too sure. There was one on the, the UFC in when McGregor did the McGregor and uh, Fade, Fado. Oh. Fable, sorry. Um, yeah. There's a good few fighters. They've got a good camp in Manchester, SBG. Right. Um, they've got one in Dublin as well. Yeah. Which um, McGregor fights out of. Um, I've not travelled to many of them at the moment. They're very expensive, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but we go to inter clubs all the time and we, we're trying to get up there, you know, to their, their level. Right. Where we... You know, we're getting named fighters out there, hopefully. Well, you've guys got the uh, the heavyweight champion of the world now in the UK, Tyson Fury. So, yeah, it's a big thing for the UK, right? Yeah, he is. He is pretty big. Yeah, um, there's a lot of hype about other fighters, David Hay. Um, yeah, David's coming back strong. I mean, he hasn't really faced high high level opposition yet, but who knows what he no. could do? Yeah, Anthony Joshua, another 
You know, right. we've had we've had a lot in the past. Carl Zaga right. from the UK, Lewis, uh, Nigel Ben, Chris Eubanks, just to name a few. You know, so hopefully we'll be on that list one day. All right. You know. Well, we like to get fighters when they're, uh, you know, young in the game like you are. So we can say, when you're champion, you, you don't forget us, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's it, yeah. Right. <laughs> Speaking of which, you know, we just uh, interviewed uh, Misha Tate three years ago, right after she lost to uh, Misha, uh, to uh, Ronda Rousey for the first time. So yeah. talking about how she had to recuperate from uh, getting her arm torn off almost. <laughs> oh, yeah, that it was, was brutal. It did look painful. That, uh, but congratulations to her in a victory over Holly. Yeah. You know, an awesome fight. I, I stayed up all night to watch it and to watch Connor mm-hmm. as well, unfortunately. But, you know. Yeah, well. Yeah. Oh, it's a lesson, though. It's, it's just you have to be humble sometimes and you have to, uh, you have to be ready for anybody. Even if yes. they're coming off the couch and they weigh 20 pounds heavier than you. <laughs> it's a different ball game, isn't yeah. it? It's like, you know, Mayweather with his unbeaten record, you don't get that in MMA. Yeah, you it's know, tough. It's, it's, it's very hard. Yeah, Aldo, 10 years in the game and yep. kept that belt strong to him. But in the end, you know, you do lose. Um, but it's how you bounce back, like you say. Right. You know, you just got to eat humble pie sometimes and... Yeah, I mean, you saw it with Rousey, too, I think, to a big extent, because she got so confident in her striking game that she thought she could just stand on the feet with uh, Holly all day, and that obviously didn't work out for her. Enough. Yeah, it's different styles. I go and watch different styles, and I go to all this catch wrestling and, you know, all the different styles that they use, and everybody's different. It's just how your body is, you know. I've got a lot of respect for most of these fighters, and... Um, I do watch things like Idol Portal with his movements and stuff like that and you know the Capoeira styles and it's all gonna I'm gonna introduce that into my fights eventually yeah I think the bottom line is I mean at certain times in the sports history we've had different things dominate and now you can't have one single thing and think that's your game you have to have everything and everything yeah. to at least a, you know, professional level. <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. not black belt and everything, but you've really got to have uh, not just striking anymore either. You have to have dynamic striking now. Yeah, it's it's all about the punch that you can't see anymore. Yeah. And you have to do something different uh, that nobody yeah. else is doing by mixing all this stuff together. I and mean, that's why they call it mixed martial arts. So yeah exactly yeah it's, you know gymnastics is a big part of it as well at the moment um getting your body to move in different functions different ways you know it's very it's hard on your body it's you know i've been i've been injured twice this year already um broken knuckle um trapped shoulder you know it's it's a <laughs> it's a painful one but it's worth it right yeah well the only actual organized fighting i did was in college with tony our co-host here on the show tony the tornado and uh, we actually were supposed to fight we we could have fought in the same tournament we're in the same tournament in in, uh, college and uh headgear and everything back in the days when uh 
Uh, it wasn't really a lot of schools involved, but there was enough. It was always a tough fight, and you had to fight uh, three times in one weekend if you got to the gold medal match. Um, I went out in the bronze medal match to a guy named Michael Jordan. So <laughs> I can always say I lost to Michael Jordan uh, from West Point. Uh, but I won the first round, and I was the only one from the school that I went in there with to get that far. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, that, yeah. There's a fight. We've got a fight. Off, um, Lloyd Sweeney is fighting um, in April, and he's got a fight twice in one night as well. Mm-hmm. As a U, UGG, I think it is. It's competition. Yeah. In Nottingham. Um, that's in the UK. So it's, you know, it's it's everything's coming together. We're, we're having a plan about it. Um, I've been asked to go to Guam and wrestle over there, you know. I can remember, too. I don't know if, um, if uh, you've ever heard of this, but uh, back in the day when the UFC was really starting to build everything up and take over and you know buy pride and everything like that and become this big organization, um, there was a big controversy in the UK because they th- said they came up with ultimate fighting. That was a UK thing. The whole country started calling that way before it ever got popular in the United States or anywhere else. Yeah, we we have uh, we have Bellator and other, we have loads of other different competitions. Uh, UGG, we have Bellator, we have Rage in the Cage. Um, there's that many different ones. It's it's quite hard to just pinpoint where it actually came from it's like you know soccer (laughs) you know some people say soccer was invented in England some people say it was invented in India you know it's just the way it's always going to be like that (laughs) but it has become a massive organization and it's inspired so many young people to get off the streets and basically instead of going into just violence you know right. organized violence is the best because you're getting paid for it as well yeah well <laughs> one of the questions we always ask fighters is what do you love most about the sport and almost probably seven times out of ten they say well you get paid to punch people in the face i mean what more is there yeah, to say? <laughs> <laughs> i agree with that it's, uh, you don't go to jail you know so Yeah, it's quite refreshing as well when you can control an opponent on the floor and you know he's been, you know, wrestling for quite some time or he's been Brazilian jiu-jitsu for quite some time and you're dominating it. You do get this brilliant fulfillment of gratitude and joy, but then again, you get a lot of respect as well for your opponent, so... right. That's the one thing that always brings me back to training and, you know, keeping my skills fresh is that there's nothing like being labeled a fighter, you know, by your friends, by people who knew you in school. You're a fighter, you know. Uh, And we talked to a guy who was a brother of a famous fighter here, uh, Jeff Daniels, just a few weeks ago about his book about his brother. And uh, my brother, the boxer, it was called. (laughs) So... I mean, it's just like a big title of the box, whether you're a boxer or an MMA fighter. It's it's big shoes to fill, and people just not only respect that, but they kind of fear you in a lot of situations. <laughs> yeah. In a good yeah, way. It's, you know. it's, it's very strange because before, I always got labeled as a 
a bit of a run lad, a uh, bit of a bad boy, you know, always in trouble. Nobody really respected me. The neighbours, the kids wouldn't come and play with me <laughs> on, on the block. <laughs> we, we call it area, but it's on the block, you know. Uh, they would, just wouldn't do it. And now I, I get praise, I get, you know, all sorts of just good, good feedback and good attitude towards me. Um, which has made me push on, really, and you know, fight through these injuries and try and be the best and do what I can do for my team as well. We have a high, we have a very good commodity, I think the word is, um, yeah. with our team. Yeah. Um, we're very close, like family. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's just brought, it brings everybody together. It's such a brilliant, brilliant discipline and it really has changed my life to be quite fair awesome now how about uh, people outside the gym that you just watch on TV or watch on YouTube or wherever you watch videos of old fights uh, is there anybody that's from all time greatest to uh, guys that uh, fight today that, that you really try to take some skills from or watch a lot of every time they fight or yeah um, I love I love Jack Dempsey. Awesome. He was, <laughs> we were just uh, talking about him earlier, actually. He, he was an animal. He just didn't care who you put him against. He was like a lion. He just didn't care. Um, Mike Tyson, I loved his ferocity, his power, his speed. Ali, I loved his cockiness. But then I loved Roy Jones Jr. for his cockiness. And he was still fighting. <laughs> yeah, he's he's absolutely brilliant. You know, yeah. I watch videos of him all the time and try and learn that style. Pacquiao. Um, well, it's funny uh, you mentioned that. Um, you know, just to interrupt you for a second. Um, but you see guys like Dominic Cruz starting to bring that type of head movement only style and hands low into MMA and doing well with it. Yeah, there's not a lot that do well. Um, I think Silva does do quite well. Anderson. Yeah. Um, sometimes he, I've seen videos where he's, you know, he's got caught being too cocky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. But fighters like that, they, you know, they're just they're different species. It's it's right. Mayweather. He's a different species. He shouldn't be from this planet. You know, how <laughs> you can move that way and yeah, you know, have your guard down and not get. It's, it's it's brilliant to watch. It's good entertainment, and I think yeah. defense can be really the the number one underappreciated art of any combat sport. Because I mean, the whole idea is not to get hit and hit the other guy more. They, yeah. you get it. <laughs> so it's really important. And yeah. uh, you know, I found it's really weak in a lot of high level mixed martial arts. You know, like uh, I used an example one time in one of my stories was uh, uh, Vladimir Machyshenko versus Joey Beltran in Bellator. Yeah. Uh, one of the ugliest fights I've ever seen other than Kimbo versus Dada. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was a good it's fight. It's just because they didn't have any defense, you know. And uh, it was a miracle to me that uh, the guy that lost got choked out because I thought somebody was going to get knocked out before that. But yeah, it's sloppy it's, boxing. It's, it's, <clears throat> Sorry to interrupt. Uh, okay. It's funny how some some fighters, you know, they'll go in with the guard up, and then by the second, 
round, they've got it completely down and they're just getting punched in the face, but they don't go down. Yeah, zombie fighting, I call that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then they turn up for the win. Then, yeah. you know, it's, it's quite, it's, it's brilliant how the human body works and the pressure's under it and, you know, I've, I've noticed big changes in my body um, from just as simple as the way you eat, the right. way you train, the way you sleep. Oh, yeah. It's um, it turns into an automated clock. Right. Yeah, I've always read too that you're supposed to have six meals a day, ideally, when you're really in a kind of uh, training routine. Yeah. Six small meals a day, and it makes sense, you know, because you're not trying to digest too much at once. You're not pigging out and ruining your whole day of working out because your body's working too hard to digest that one meal, you know, and. Uh, yeah. The certain things that you do eat, obviously, are going to give you um, certain benefits. And if you yeah. eat junk, you're going to feel like junk, literally. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, you do. It's it's over there. We have a lot of takeaways. So before yeah. I was training, I was I used to love the takeaways. Now, now not so much. Maybe <laughs> once every five months. Yeah. <laughs> um, apart from that, it's a stable balance of sweet potato rice. Mm -hmm. Kale, um, kale, you know, that's good stuff. I, I try to stay away from the meats as much as possible, mm -hmm. um, because too much meat will, you know, it doesn't, it it goes on your body and it's bad for you. I believe um, I'm not going to turn vegan just yet, but <laughs> you know, with all these fighters that keep winning that are turning vegan, you know, yeah, it's, it's funny you mention that. There was one fighter actually, uh, Orlando Salido. He got a fight declared a no contest because they got him on steroids or something, and his defense was it was in the beef that I was eating. <laughs> that's what they were feeding it is the steroid. So that's I ate so much of it I got it in my yeah, system. Yeah, I, I don't know how true that is. Uh, <laughs> you know that's uh, hey, that's, that's another that. reason to lay it lay off the stuff. I guess I don't know. Yeah, because you hear stories <laughs> over here all the time. Oh, they put they put steroids in the beef to make the that's why all the young lads are big and it's just your your school systems and your scholarships are totally different to over here. Right. I mean, even for your American football, it's when I watch things on the school and the scholarships and stuff like that and you have to have your good grades and you have to have this and you you have to have a stable diet. Over here it's a bit more relaxed. It's yeah, you can become a footballer. A soccer player, sorry, but you don't need qualifications. It's right. very, you know, it's it's quite different. That's why <laughs> I think you have a lot of absolutely brilliant fighters. You know, yeah, because I mean, most players they go where the money is if they're an athlete, yeah. and there's not a lot of money in boxing, and it's brutal. Yeah, <laughs> people know that going in. But if you know, for years and years over here, boxing was always more popular than MMA because it has a worldwide base that MMA still doesn't have quite yet locked down. Yeah, um, you have concentration it, areas like over there in the UK and over here in the United States and in Brazil, but you know, yeah. worldwide it's not really as big as soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, uh, and um, in the United States it's still not as big as football. You know the NFL football. Yeah, I do. I do like to watch the NFL. I did watch the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I do like to keep in 
touch with that side because I like rugby as well over here. Right. I, I was only introduced to rugby when I went to college. And I always thought it was a strange game, but it's it's brutal. I mean, I knew a kid who was on the team, and he was always hurt. Yeah. So talk about training for fighting. Jeez. I mean, that's I probably love, the number I one love, sport where yeah, MMA could uh, help you. <laughs> yeah, I love the animalistic side to it. Like, yeah, you know, where we're cool. going back to the old ages. Right. You know, I, I believe that I came from a Viking or a no, you know, some type of Anglo-Saxon era, you know, and right. I think everybody's become laxadaisy over that, over the, you know, centuries, and I'm trying to bring back that 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 fuel. Got to get to Valhalla, right? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know a little bit about myself. the Vikings. <laughs> All right. Um, so what would you say is um, the biggest influence so far on your career, uh, either inside or outside the ring? Um, respect. Mm-hmm. Really. Um, yeah, I wanted respect for myself. I wanted respect for my family. Um I want something to, so when I grow up, I, you know, I can say to me, little girl, um, you know, daddy didn't just work in a warehouse, you know, at the moment we call it, I tickle people, (laughs) Um, but to show trophies off and, you know, to off when she's older and just give her that push, so I motivate her. Right. If I can change someone else's life and stop them from going down the same path that I did, then I've achieved my mission. Right, yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of that lately from a lot of mixed martial artists at high levels. You know, uh, Probably the last example I could think of was Eddie Alvarez after the Bellator fight, talking about how you know he wants to set a positive example for his kids uh, in the yeah. way he fights. And it's very important to a lot of people. Um, Obviously not so important to Floyd, who uh, hit, hit his uh, ex-wife there in front of the kids, but uh, <laughs> but to a lot of fighters, you know, especially, you know, when you do that for a living, you literally bleed and get injured for for your paycheck, no matter what. Yeah. I mean, you know, unless you just don't get hit at all in the fight by some miracle, you're, you're gonna yeah. you're, you know, get roughed up. So it's very important that you know that also. You know, you show your kids that you don't just go out there and get your ass kicked for a paycheck. Yeah. You know, you're, you're taking it seriously. You're doing doing it uh, to the best of your ability, and you're trying as hard as you can. Yeah, in in England, it's um, it's football that is the main one. So that takes a lot of kids off the streets and stuff. But over the past ten, fifteen years, this this country has changed dramatically. And you don't. It's not the same as when I was a kid. It, mm-hmm. It's um, it's a lot more ruthless now. It's a lot more dog eat dog. Not a lot of people want to do football because of the the training that they have to go through. And you know, it's um, it doesn't want to be getting any better neither with the leaders who we have in. You know, running our country. And it just seems to be. But then again, it brings a lot of respect because there's a lot of racism and hatred over in England. Right. Um, and I'm dead against racism and, you know, I, I hate it. Um, and if we can stamp that out, 
while we're doing what we're doing and fighting people from different nationalities and you know getting that respect for other people then you know again it's another mission done awesome uh, well, tell us a little bit more about this charity too. I mean, you're you're not only going into a cage, right? It's going to be in a cage. Um, no, it's a boxing ring. This oh, it's one. a ring. Okay, so yeah. you're going into the uh, ring against another guy, and you and you're, you're giving money to charity at the same time. Yeah. So, so tell us a lot of you know as much as you can about this organization, as far as you know that it's going to. Um, I got it through uh, promoter Tariq Kuzikan. He's called. Um, he basically set up one in December, um, Brawl in the Hall it was called, that one as well. Um, I didn't attend that one, um, but he's gone. He's done another one now, it was a sellout last time, they raised so much money for homeless people, um, there's lots of different charities on the billing. That's awesome. Um, Cancer Research, Maria Carey. Um, I think, yeah, Maria Carey, in it? Yeah, not not the single. Okay. Um, <laughs> Marie Curie, right? Yeah, that, yeah, that's the one. Sorry, yeah, Curie, I knew it was. <laughs> um, it's very late. That's <laughs> oh, yeah. Um I only know yeah, that because I read a lot as a kid. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Mine's um, Sans organization. It's um, Stillbirth and Neonatal. Right. Um, and basically, they come and help support um, families or single people that have um, had stillbirth or problems with pregnancies and um, my sister had she had two wombs um, so she had difficulty uh, basically having a baby Um, she had Dylan which is my first nephew he came out fine Um, cesarean though Um, then Thomas, unfortunately, he passed away during birth. Um, and then, thankfully, she had another um, summer and she was healthy, came out um, through cesarean again. Mm-hmm. But my sister's on medication for life and these sons have just helped her dramatically, helped awesome. her with, you know, contacting people uh, to pay her bills when... These organisations are—they're ruthless, you know. They don't care what's going on in your life, and they sorted it out and got got a time to get back to a normal self because a partner didn't want to work. He was too depressed. He, you know, and then you suddenly you're faced with you've just lost your child, and then you could lose your house potentially because of these people and. They helped out so so much, you know. It was so it's well worth doing, and I know there's a lot of families out there that need the support and help. So if I can give some money back to them and you know help someone else along the road, and then that's again another mission. <laughs> awesome, yeah, yeah. That's uh, it. Reminds me of an organization they have over here. I don't know if they ever followed through on it, but uh, last time I was thinking about coming back to the sport and uh, getting involved in mixed martial arts. Period. They had a company called Office to Octagon, and uh, it was everything was for charity. And uh, you know, it was based in Boston, I'm a little far away from there, but uh, 
you know, I was thinking about doing it, but I never heard back from the guy, so I don't know if he folded or just didn't have enough money to keep it going or what, but I haven't read anything about him or anything. Um, so what you're doing, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. We actually, I run a firewood business during the day over here, and we try to give uh, firewood to veterans every yeah. year. And uh, homeless, you know, not homeless, but uh, people who are really needing it, bad situations and stuff. <clears throat> so yeah, I definitely appreciate that kind of thing, and it's uh, it's nothing better than fighting for a cause too. You know, not that you're not fighting yeah. for one already, just to, like you said, prove it to your kids that uh, you're tough and you worked for your money. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's you know, it's um, it's very awkward over here because. There's a lot of money that is funded into things that shouldn't be funded into. There's a lot of rich people that, you know, if someone's got a house and they've got 52 rooms and they're on their own, why do you need 52 rooms? It just don't make sense. Right. So when there's homeless people out there and stuff like that, you know, um, why should these pe families go through these things alone with no support or anything from the government and you know, these charities are doing everything they can to stay afloat so they can help these people. Right. You know, it just it just doesn't make sense to me. So any money that I can get and give to charity then, you know, I feel like I'm doing better and you know, in the end I'll I'll sleep happier and I know in my heart my soul will, you know, be recognized for that not the bad things but for the good that i do in this life right and you know people don't realize who don't ever get that experience to help somebody how good that feels you know it's way better than getting a paycheck really sometimes yeah. just it, seeing the look it, on someone's also, face when you do something great for them yeah it mm. is absolutely brilliant i mean you know you hear of all these hero stories all the time and things like that and i know um they don't get enough media coverage or they don't get enough praise you know it's it's very it's it's very touch and go isn't it you know it should be a lot better than people who i know there was a woman in um, america i don't think it was that too long ago but she hid all the kids in her classroom didn't she and they ended up shooting her and you know, then there was there was only a little bit of news coverage on it, and you know it should have been put out more. The family should have been, you know, because that woman has sacrificed her life for other people. Right. And I think it's I think it's brilliant, you know, things like that. It's true heroes. Not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, what do you know? Uh Kind of change the subject here, but what do you know about uh, the guy you're going to be facing on March 25th here? Anything? Um, I know he's he's had a couple of fights. Um, he's weighing in at 67 kilos. Um, I've had to cut down from 75 to 70 kilos. Um, possibly have to do a bit more before the weigh-in next Wednesday. All right. Um, I know, well, just basic things, like I know he's 5'11", I'm only 5'9". Um, yeah, two inches doesn't matter if you got hard hands, yeah. right? <laughs> You've never seen Tyson moaning against uh, yeah, Bruno. Yeah, exactly. Peekaboo style. Peekaboo style. 
Yeah, it's, I'm really looking forward to it. I feel in my best physical um, position that I've ever been in. Awesome. Um, I had an injury uh, four or five weeks ago, trapped nerve in the shoulder. Mm-hmm. The team's worked around it. We've we've got we've had the physio, mm-hmm. um, and now we're ready to go. We're ready to go to war. Awesome. Yeah, I had a, a sort of a busted elbow going into my big tournament nationals in uh, 1998. Going back way, way a lot of years, but uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was kind of daunting trying to work around that, and um, <clears throat> you know, stuff like that. It's not going to be a break or anything that's going to disqualify you, but it does aggravate you and change your game a little bit. Yeah, so you always got to be wary of that yep. stuff, but it only makes the rest of you stronger. <laughs> that's the best part. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it because even though I was going through pain, right, we was doing things that didn't aggravate it, and you know, a, a trap nerve in the shoulder was it was a uh, it was very painful when it first happened, and straight after, and we've worked on it, and now you know I'm back to physical peak. You know, I'm not hundred percent yet, but um, I'm not far off. But I know, you know, before you go into fights, there's always some niggly little injuries that you got to clear up. Right. You can't be 100% all the time, you know. Exactly. Yeah, actually, I've uh, been fortunate enough to have my one big problem lately be sciatica. And you know what the number one cure for sciatica is? Stretching. So it tells me I need to stretch more. And uh, activity, (laughs) activity actually helps it, so. Yeah, um, I found a lot of that, you know, instead of uh, when you're stiff, because obviously everybody goes through that stiff stage, um, you know, the lactic acid built in and stuff like that, you just got to keep moving. Right, yeah. You know, at one point I was like, oh, ah, every time I move, but you just got to man up and get on with it. I mean, you know, we're not here to, (laughs) we're not here to get tickled. We know what we're putting at stake and... What's right. at risk, and you know we're ready to do it. Awesome. Uh, how do people find this organization out there online? Do you know, uh, and how do they find you? We know I found you on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I've got a donation page for the Sands Charity on Facebook, Twitter. Um, and you got a unique first name. It's Calvin, but it's with a Y. C A L V Y N. So everybody yeah. out there, last name is Hindley. H I N D L E Y. Yeah, that's yeah. That's and uh, we're looking forward to finding out how you did. Uh, I'm definitely going to be rooting for you. I'm going to be starting my own training camp for an amateur fight. Uh, actually, next Monday. This coming Monday. So uh, I'm trying to get back into the fight game after about 15 years, 16 years off. <laughs> yeah. But, but I've been thinking about it and going through the motions for a couple of years now. And uh, that's the goal, just to at least have one fight and see how I do and then maybe more. <clears throat> well, that's it, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to quit if I lose, you know, because you don't lose, you learn. Um, right. Basically, it's, it's just getting us out there, uh, me and the team and... You know, trying to get the sponsorships and you cool. know stuff like that. It's 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 been a long road and it's been hard this year up to now so far. And it's, it's I 
don't presume it's going to get any easier. Right. You well, know, we'll but, keep uh, pumping out the link to your interview uh, day in and day out here up to the fight. So we'll get you some money, hopefully, and uh, some attention. And uh, let's see what you can do with it, right? Yeah, that would be massive help. Yeah, yeah. Um, for the Across the pond possible. support. Some American money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Team Sweeney. Team yes. Sweeney Wrestling. You awesome. Know, that's uh, the camp that we fight out of. Cool. Um, so yeah hopefully big things this year and next year and then every year after that we've got some really young lads in at the moment who have a big bright future so we're trying to keep them disciplined and keep them off the streets and stop them from you know making the mistakes that most young people do make when they're young yeah I mean <clears throat> I grew up in a pretty tough neighborhood and um I don't know what Dorchester in the UK is like, but Dorchester in Massachusetts, where I grew up, was a pretty tough neighborhood to grow up in. And uh, I moved out of there to kind of the suburbs of Boston just at the right time, like sixth grade. But uh, even in sixth grade, I was getting into a lot of scraps on the street and, you know, shenanigans here and there. Nothing that got me arrested, but I could have seen me ended up in jail. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always touch and go which way you go, isn't it? It's you know. Yeah, and boxing saved me from a lot of fights because I yeah. learned uh, kind of like Mr. Miyagi in the Karate Kid taught uh, Danielson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you got to use it for self-defense only, uh, and, and treat it with a little more respect if you're going to be good at it, especially because <clears throat> you can hurt yeah. somebody. That's the one thing that I learned one day. I broke a kid's arm in high school in a in a little fight after school. So kind of was like, oh, geez, I can really hurt somebody. I got to be careful with this. <laughs> yeah, it's, so, so, so Rich, you just be trained so you didn't have to fight. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm ready for the fight when it does happen. You know? Yeah, it that's it. It's, uh, you know the disciplines in it. Even Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu wrestling. You know, you don't need to full punch if you if you're trained you know you can just pin them to the floor and then you know try and calm them down or whatever that's what i love i don't need to be violent right you know you can either talk your way out of it these days or you know most people as soon as they learn that you've been in a cage once or twice <laughs> you know they don't oh yeah you're all <laughs> set yeah here's your money back uh, yeah i didn't mean to mug you <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Oh, yeah. All right, Calvin. Uh, it's been great talking to you. It's, uh, it's been amazing to hear your story, and uh, thanks for having a nice, clear connection. Uh, you wouldn't even believe you were uh, across uh, an ocean. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the, the big pond. Well, thank you anyway, Tom and Tony. And yeah, awesome. Rich, Rich. Yep, um, you got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anybody else you want to thank? By the way, we usually ask any everybody on the show that, uh, or give a shout out to anything like that. Um, yeah, Twe Team Sweeney Wrestling, um, Greg Crompton, um, Lloyd Sweeney, um, the, t the full team, um, my family, friends, um, and anybody on the island of Guam that's listening, maybe. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, we're we're trying to get a big fan base, but me uh, my cousin lives out in Guam. Oh, uh, cool. He's married to um, Maria Dunn, the Olympic wrestler. Oh, cool. Um, so you know, big shout out to everyone from awesome. the UK as well and uh, from the East Coast. <laughs> All right. 
We're on the East Coast, too. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Uh, thanks a lot, Calvin. And uh, I will send you the link once it's uh, posted up. We used to do the show live, but uh, we, we, we went with a cheaper option because they weren't uh, giving us the money's worth over at the other site. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And we get <laughs> more listeners at this site. Go figure. So I love it. Yeah. <clears throat> well, anyway. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. And, uh, Best of luck. Even though I don't think you'll need it, you sound like you got the right idea, and you're you're on the right path here. Yeah, I'm here to make him look like a baby giraffe. So. All right, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. All right. <laughs> so yeah, thank you very much, lads, and uh, all the best. You too. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye. All right. So there you have it, uh, Calvin Hindley, from across the pond. <laughs> and uh, let's see. We still got Tony and Tom. Perfect connection. Yeah, I, I gotta find out what he uses, I guess, <laughs> for a microphone. Uh, he's probably got a headset, I would think. I used to use a headset, but now I'm using this, uh, you know, microphone that's supposed to be good for this stuff. And it is good, but I just got to get the right distance between the speakers and the mic sometimes. But, yeah, that was awesome. And uh, what a good cause and all that. It's good stuff. Uh, but we got some boxing stuff to talk about, too. We, got, we had some heavyweight fights over this weekend. It's big heavyweight fights. Tony Thompson. Tony the Tiger, mm -hmm. not the Tornado, right? Oh, no, he's the Tiger. Don't, don't call him the yeah, Tornado. Right? <laughs> don't, don't, don't sully Tony's name, nickname like that, right? <laughs> yeah. No, um, Tony uh, went I out that, uh, for Lewis. I, there were two fight cards on Saturday and I was down in Florida. Right. So Talk about Florida, Tony. How, how could you um, get through the whole show without talking about well, Florida, Tony? I how know. I got to watch the HBO card. I, I was really impressed. With the first fight, um, the kid from Las Vegas, um, she's because now, now, of course, I'm, you know, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but Jesse Vargas. And, you know, he was an underdog against, um, you know, Saddam Saddam Ali. Ali. Yeah, And that fight was nipping tuck for a while, and then he just blasted through and, um, you know, knocked Ali out. A very impressive performance there. Um, <clears throat> with, with Keith's fight, I could feel myself getting tired. Um, you know, when they were coming to the ring, and I saw about a round of it. But from that round that I saw, I kind of knew where the fight was going to go, and the um, ending did not surprise me. <laughs> and then we had uh, Rosalind Chagayev went down to Lucas Brown. Uh, I think that's Lucas. Is that, is that his first name? I don't know. It's his, I'm going to blame Boxrack because they only have his initial. Yeah. <laughs> uh. L. Brown. Yeah, L. Brown. Who the hell was that guy? No. Yeah, so uh, I think that was a knockout, if I remember correctly. So the heavyweight division is shaping up with a lot of competition here for Tyson Fury beyond uh, Klitschko. Um, so we're going to see. Um, <clears throat> we'll see where that goes. And then you got uh, Deontay Wilder in the mix in the United States. Who knows where it's going? And David Hay, as uh, Calvin mentioned starting to look good, even though we really haven't seen him tested again in times lately. Uh, uh, we'll see. See where it goes. 
this weekend, the big fights, it looks like uh, we got um, David Lemieux fighting. Uh, we got Jurgen Brommer fighting. I'm assuming overseas somewhere. We'll get to those in a minute. But uh, yeah, Usman Chagayev lost to Lucas Brown. One story I did want to get to. I can come up to it here. Fury talked about that one. Oh, uh, I don't know if we got to this last week, but uh, Colton Smith, UFC fighter, um, was on um, Broken Skull Challenge last week. Uh, they taped it in mid 2015, but uh, it was, I think it was last Sunday at 8 o'clock on uh, the country music station. Uh, Steve Austin's Broken Skull Challenge, which you might know Steve oh, yeah. Austin from wrestling. Uh, and uh, Colton Smith is uh, the guy that won the Ultimate Fighter years ago. He's not in the UFC anymore, but uh, he's still fighting in MMA. And uh, he just never did so well after he won the whole competition. He's like one of the big exceptions to that whole thing. Um, but uh, he did the Broken Skull Challenge. I didn't see it myself. I meant to watch it, but I didn't. Uh, but he was on it, so I thought I'd mention that. And uh, he's still uh, a sergeant in the uh, Army, I believe. And that show does have a lot of military people in it. And a lot of military people win it, <laughs> actually. So, kind of interesting. They do have a picture with the article of him uh, tied to some other dude. Uh, by It looks like weight belts and a rope in the middle. <laughs> and they're in a circle. they got to run to the outside of the circle. So, uh, he did mention that uh, a lot of the other guys that he had to go through it with were way bigger than him. <laughs> Right now, he's 170 pounds. Uh, World Series of Fighting, actually. He's another guy who's going to be joining. Uh, John Howard will be joining, actually, over there. Um, former UFC fighters Jake Shields and John Fitch are in that division over there, too. So. And he continues to have his uh, career in the military uh, not clashing with his fight career. So his, uh, he gives a, sh a shout-out to his command for allowing that to happen. And they let him do this, so. Good stuff. Good stuff. So. Uh, let's see, March 11th. We got some big fights coming up here. So, what'd you do in Florida, Tony? Oh, I went there, um, you know, for my annual baseball trip. Right. Yeah, so I went down there, and I just sent you guys a photo a little bit ago. The uh, one establishment that I would always go down there, you know, they got taken over, new management, um, they revamped the entire place, and it's called Sports Legends now. Oh, the picture of Rocky of Marciano? Painted mules, painted mules on the wall, and I sent one of them to you guys. I think you might appreciate it. You already sent one a while back of Rocky Marciano knocking out uh, Jersey Joe. Right? Was that in Florida? Uh, well, yeah, I put it on Facebook, but I just sent it to you guys a few minutes ago. Oh, well, I thought you sent that like the first day you were down there. Directly to you guys? Yeah. 
Oh shit, I might have. I probably don't remember because I was at a bar. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I was like, yeah, that's cool to see that in Florida. But then again, you know, Rocky did have a lot to do with Florida. He vacationed there. He had a residence there for a while. He's buried there, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, kind of like Donald Trump. Yeah, I, I forgot I sent that to you guys. <laughs> Um, oh, speaking of uh, speaking of Donald Trump, and, you know, so a lot of people I knew. Um, did you see Donald down there? Did I see who? Donald Trump down there campaigning? I I did not. <laughs> I did not. Um, uh, I I will tell you. You know, it's like people were saying, like, well, what do you think? What do you think about you know Trump? I said, well, he did used to have some good fight cards at his his casinos. Right, and he's talking a lot about knockouts now with uh, with the other two candidates. Yeah. <laughs> you got to knock them out. And I want to make me support. Yeah. I have to go to his, I have to go to fight to this place. <laughs> the tickets were reasonable. Yeah, right. It'd be good for combat. Um, but yeah, it was just good to get away for a few days. Um, now I know the um, boxing over the eastern box, the eastern um, regionals. For the um, National Collegiate Boxing Association, the Northeast Regionals are this weekend. Uh, Lock Haven apparently is hosting it, but not at the university. I think it's at the high school. Oh, um, I don't think I'll be able to make it this weekend, unfortunately. I mean, I just got home yesterday, and I'm a little tired still, <laughs> a little under the weather, and um, you know, I still got a few other things I'm trying to get done. Um, actually, I was cool. I was when I was down in Florida. My uh, the director of my division at work was there, and she came to see me at the one game, and we were talking. She's like, "So you, um, we're both on a flight home on Wednesday." She goes, "Yeah." She goes, "We've been working from home on Thursday." I said something. She goes, "You're not going into the office." She goes, "No, you're working from home. You tell your boss I just approved it." <laughs> I, I said, "Okay, I can do that." <laughs> Text my boss. I get home. I said, "Um, yeah, I was told that I'm working from home." Your boss said so. He's like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, that was um, that was good. That was good. but all in all, it was a good time. Yeah, sometimes they like that when you offer to work at home. I'm forgetting when you're the sick. pictures I said. I think there's a whole commercial about some guy that keeps going to work when he's sick, isn't there? <laughs> no, I I got some kind of bug here for a couple. It was like hung on for a couple weeks. I don't know what the hell it was, but it was like a head cold from hell. I don't know if that's what you got, but man, it's well, mine um, is more like some some congestion. Yeah, it kind of happened when I was wet before I went down there, and then of course I exacerbated it by never trying to work out every day, <laughs> and then um, so then of course indulging in alcohol beverages. Yeah, you know, happens. Sometimes but, that kills the sickness. <laughs> Just saying. But, <laughs> but I survived. All right. Went home. And uh, I worked from home today, but I actually do got to go into the office tomorrow. All right. Well, we'll, we'll let you go to bed early, okay? Yeah. We're pretty much done here anyway. Uh, I did want to mention the World Series of Fighting card. Now it's finally loaded up. Uh, I did mention that, but I didn't say anybody's name on the card. But the uh, main event is Justin Gaethje, 15-0, fighting Brian Foster, who's 25-8. and they also got a co-main event of Josh Copeland, 11 and 3, fighting Mike Hayes, who's 19, 10 and 2. 
Corey Devella, 16 and 6, versus Lewis Taylor, who's 11 and 3. We got Josh Cavan, who's 11 and 6, and Chris Hokum, who is 7 and 4, also on the card. And uh, we'll just let that be enough for that one. World Series of Fighting always has very small cards. They got like six fights, so. The guys in the lower tier are really lower tier. <laughs> Not that anybody who fights professionally should be called lower tier at all, but hey. Mm -hmm. Thanks a lot for our guest. Um, that was a great interview. I like talking to him. You know, I would like you guys to just interrupt me every now and then. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm hogging shit. Sometimes you never let us get in. Oh, sorry. That's Sometimes all right. I just gotta you say, know I go my pants and I'm the same way. Yeah. Sometimes I just gotta say, hey guys, you got anything? <laughs> but all right, uh, Calvin Henley. Uh, well, at the same time, it's like, um, I always feel that. It's like, if somebody's in a rhythm, I try not to cut it. Because if they're getting a good back and forth, you know, with, with a person, the person's getting very comfortable. That in a situation like that, unless I really have a point to make or a question to ask, a very specific question, I'm not going to jump in. Now, if, like, if I'm on there, and say we're talking to, um, um, let's put me at Ray Boom Boom TV on the show. And I, <laughs> I knew this was like, coming. Really getting in there with Ray, <laughs> and I'm bringing up a, a lot of things. And so then it's like, you step in with another question. You very specific questions, and you come in like, so Ray, what was your greatest moment in the sport? It's like, right. uh, that kind of takes it down a little bit. So I'm, I'm more of an interactive person where I let the um, the pace come to me. Mm -hmm. All right. If that makes any sense. So what would you ask uh, Boom Boom if we had him on the show? So I can leave that in the well, next message to him. <laughs> uh, no, well, with Boom Boom, you, ha you, you have so many questions you can ask him. Um, I can um, you know, right, um, Tom, it's like, you know, you can talk about, you know, what the win the title, you know, for his father. You know, the fight against uh, Dooku Kim, obviously. Um, his health concerns going into the first Bramble fight, because um, he was really low on iron. Um, you know, fighting Alexis Arguello. Um, right. And then, you know, transitioning from boxing into acting and then trying to get back in as a boxer. Tons of questions right there. All right. Well, we're working on it. I'm not going to give up after one phone call, so I mean, if I don't hear from him in like six days, I'm going to try again next week. And we're okay. working on a couple uh, other MMA fighters um, on Facebook. I got uh, a guy who represents a couple Russian guys. I guess he wants to be the Russian Ed Suarez of MMA. Uh -huh. Ed is a guy for all the Brazilians down there in Brazil. Because uh, he speaks uh, Portuguese. That's pretty much his number one skill there with those guys. He speaks the language, literally. But, yeah, this guy, uh, his son speaks Russian, so his, his son will have to translate. But we got a couple guys. Uh, I don't have the names off the top of my head, but we're working on them. So, if not uh, Boom Boom, we'll, we'll keep on the MMA pace until we get a big boxer. Seems like every time we get somebody in boxing, it is somebody big, though, huh? Yes. Somebody, well, you know somebody really good, point. too, so... We try to keep Tony happy. We'll let Tony hop some <laughs> interviews every now and then. <laughs> All right, till next week. We're going to let everybody watch the debate here. Even though this won't be on live for the debate. It'll be about a few hours here before we get it on, on, on the air. On the, on the page. But till, till next week.
Thanks, everybody, for stopping right, by. Talk to you next week. Have a great weekend, gentlemen. You too. All right.